Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. We're in the room. We're in. That's funny. The, the room. Where it happens? I hope so. Do you know what has fallen out of, I think, popular use? At least in Hamilton? my world. Hamilton. <laughs> Hamilton references. Um, yeah. There's fewer of them now. There is fewer of them now. It's funny. But there's a lot of my friends who are like still just discovering it. That's wild. They're like, have you heard of this thing? That's wild. Like, It'd be darling. like, I just heard about this book yesterday. The Bible? Um, <laughs> exactly. Like, yes, yeah, it's been really interesting, and like, cause yeah, seeing um, you know, we like they had the recent Spotify, uh-huh, like rewind or yeah, what you listen to, yeah. rewind. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> Damn amount, it, <laughs> the amount of it's, it's coming back. We're really we're bringing it back. Um, <laughs> the amount of people who was like think it was still Hamilton. And I was like, that's fascinating. That's wild. How can you still be listening to that? Yeah. Who knows? Mine Who knows? was Hades Town, and I didn't realize I listened to it that much. Mine was a uh, mine was Ghost I Quartet. Oh, lucky you. Yeah, that was kind of nice. Oh, um, that's good. And then my second one was a uh, uh, Come On Eileen because there's a. <laughs> I know, right? Um, there's a. Because <laughs> I love the song. No, uh, there's a Spotify playlist called Songs to Sing in the Shower. Uh, and at my school, when I need a, like, we're entering the theater or leaving the theater generic playlist. Right? Uh, songs to sing in the shower is like totally clean, really popular songs that everyone Brilliant. knows. And the first one on the list is "Come On Eileen," and oh so I hit play, turn on random, go to the next song. Yeah, but Spotify thinks I just really like that song. Fair enough, I love it. Will somebody get us another drink? Welcome to Jim and Tomic's musical theater happy hour. I'm Jimmy, and I'm Tommy, and this is the only musical theater podcast with highballs. And curtain calls. Here, we take apart your favourite shows, muddle them together with a shot of buffoonery, and pour you a refreshing glass of musical theatre conversation. Tommy, what are you drinking today? Uh, I, I call this mixed up, mashed up, n- not a pie milkshake. Uh, there's, wow. There's no milk in it. There's only three ingredients. I bet you can't guess what they are. Um, gosh, I couldn't, I couldn't even wait. I can't think of anything. If only there was some... Three key things. Three key things repeated like often. repeated words. A thousand times. Oh, like, oh, raisins. Uh-huh, no. that's it. Um, it's raisins, raisins, and raisins, actually. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> this milk. week we're doing a raisin in the sun. <laughs> and I'm drinking a milkshake filled with raisins. <laughs> oh, that would not be nice. Oh, man, I got a quiz question. You ready? 
hit me. The original production of this musical tickles all of your senses the moment you enter the lobby. We're not sure if the show had an official smell designer, but let's be honest, it probably did. It probably did. And that show could only be... A Raisin in the Sun. <laughs> a Raisin in the Sun. Waitress! Here we go! <laughs> it's Waitress! These starts like the rest we've seen Another carbon copy of an old routine Days keep coming One out, one in They keep coming And make that coffee strong enough to chew I don't know what I wish I had But there's no time now for thinking things like that We got too much to do to do all these same things we're always opening up letting the day in over a cup we'll say hello how you been looking around seeing the same things every day brings hello It's How closing nice. soon. Um, it is. How sad. It's very sad. Um, so, hey, Waitress, Music and Lyrics by the wonderful Sarah Bareilles. Yes. Um, and a book by Jesse Nielsen. It's based on a film by Adrian Shelley, um, which yes, I actually indeed. watched in college, I was reminded of by my friend the other day. Oh, fantastic. I didn't. What, why didn't you remember? <laughs> uh, that's a great question. Maybe I fell asleep during it. <laughs> Great. Good. A very memorable film. Um, no, it is. Uh, anyway, we're not discussing things yet. Um, it premiered on the Broadway in 2016. And we're very sad that it will be closing in less than a month. Yes. January the 5th, 2020. And the West End production, which also opened uh, February of this year, 2019, is also closing uh, this coming July, 2020. Yeah. Um, but then launching on a big old tour. Yep. I'm excited about it. I'm Across the country it. it goes. And I really hope they bring the smell with them. <laughs> I do. Normally, say what that is. We have, oh, have we, we said haven't that? said there. It, it smells like pies in the lobby. It smells like pies. That's it's genius. brilliant. It's so good. More shows should smell. Well, That's a fun question. If you were walking into Sweeney Todd, Sweeney Todd. Well, that's fine. That's obvious. Just make pies. More pies. Oh again. yeah, it's the same smell. Yeah, but a right. little grosser. <laughs> Just recycle it. Um, <laughs> what about if you're walking into into the woods? Mm, that, that, there's a good like foresty smell. Evergreen like a mulch. They could just hang a bunch of those like evergreen like uh, pine fresh <laughs> car fresheners just all around okay. the lobby. <laughs> okay. What about company? Mm, booze smells like booze. Brilliant. I'm loving this. I think. <laughs> Let's, it's a let's fun game. It tweet it. Tweet yeah. at us. Tweet. Tweet at us. Uh, what? Yeah, you, what? what your musical smells like? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's fun. Um, so yes, waitress Tommy. Do you want to tell us about it? Okay, here we go. Um, yeah, waitress follows the story of Jenna, uh, who is a, a waitress and pie baker in a tiny, nondescript uh, town uh, in the American South. I don't think they ever actually said it anywhere too specific she is stuck in a, a loveless abusive marriage um with her husband earl uh who's terrible um and accidentally and unexpectedly gets pregnant uh she doesn't really want to be pregnant but still decides she's keeping the baby it chronicles her journey through this um and also uh her uh love affair with her OBGYN. um 
We also follow the story of her two co-workers, Becky and Dawn, um, and their uh, love lives as well. Um, and eventually, uh, Jenna has the chance to escape her small town uh, through perhaps winning a pie contest, uh, pie baking contest. Uh, but uh, complications ensue. Uh, she's not allowed to leave, but has the baby, divorces her deadbeat um, uh, husband, um, cuts off the affair with the OBGYN, and inherits the pie shop. Hooray! It names it after her daughter. It names it after her daughter, which is really cute. Um, there's cute? there's a lot of discussion of mothership throughout this. Um, yes. Jenna, Jenna's dead mom uh, appears a whole bunch throughout this thing um, and gave her her passion for pie baking. There's a lot mm-hmm. of um, mirrored life going on between what we learn about her mom's life and her own life. Um, and we explore, I would I would say, and I don't know if, well, uh, non-traditional romance is a, 100%. a pretty big theme 100%. in the show. And that's something I'm really excited to talk about. Yeah. Very much so. Um, but before we talk about that, let's talk about where it all began. Get on my shoulders, Jimmy. Let's go. <laughs> okay. God, what if when he sees me, like many noses, what if he opens up a door and I can't close it? What happens then? When he holds me, my heart is set in motion. I'm not prepared for that. I'm scared of breaking open. But still, I can't help from hoping to find someone to talk to. Someone who when he sees me wants to again. Why on your shoulders? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> like a like a shootery as opposed to a coal carry. I did those are are those national Scottish dishes? <laughs> yeah. A shootery. What do you call it? A piggyback well, ride. Don't call it a shittery, I guess. No, what you call it if like I'm sitting on your sh- like literally on your shoulders? Yes, yeah, that would be a piggyback ride. No, that's me hanging on. Oh, what's well, like my legs are on your shoulders? I think we just say sit on sit on my shoulders. You, you should start saying shittery. Shoot, how do you spell that? Well, it's spelled shouldery. Oh, got it. Okay, of the Scottish persuasion. Sure, sure. Shitter. I've Sh- got to say shitter. <laughs> Some people are going to understand what that is. Not me. There's like four of them. If you understand that, give us a tweet. Anyway, um, so this is a like mildly unconventional show. Yeah, Sarah Bareilles wrote it. I mean, Sarah Bareilles. There's not. I was racking my brain, and I can't think of pre 2016 any stalwart examples of. Uh, musicals written by pop stars who are famous for being pop stars first that um, aren't that aren't jukebox musicals that aren't jukebox musicals that aren't like yeah. that are that are original music for the show is tim mention a pop star mm, fair question that would be i a, know he's a comedian it'd be a good comparison and um, a musical comedian yeah but where like or even just where the fame of the music writer 
is not from writing musical theater songs. Yeah. And hey, if it is, I mean, it always is with us. Right. Literally, we're going to get 5,000 yeah. replies. But if it is, it ain't popular. Do you know what I mean? Right. It's, not, it's not the done thing. Yeah. Not, um, not to Sarah Bareilles' extent. Like, cer- certainly yeah. independently famous before the show happened. Completely and hugely successful and not in a theater adjacent way. Right. You know I mean, she's she just strides at her own in the pop charts. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she was approached by, I think she was approached by Diane Paulus, the director, um, mm-hmm. who had been asked to make, to turn the film into, into a musical. A yeah. Um, and I think Diane Paulus approached Sarah Brellis and mm-hmm. kind of the rest was history. Yeah. Um, have but you, I think it's yeah. Sorry, what we can say. Have you listened to a lot of Cerebrellis music? I've listened to a fair amount. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really, I really enjoy her as a recording artist. I enjoy it. I think it is interesting because I would say even well, Tim. There's not great comparisons, and like Tim Minchin doesn't have a sound because he's kind of a comedy writer, and I think right that exactly his content comes through. But a lot of the show, yeah. you know, you can you can see Borellis's thumbprint on all of it. Oh, um, Duncan Sheik. Ooh, yeah, there it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Duncan Sheik too. Um, but it just it was just when you said that I was like, ah, oh, because you can hear his sound. Right. Yeah. Which is such an point. interesting thing because and like Sondheim talks about this about like mm. uh, you know, uh chimera like uh changing your appearance of your songs to fit the theme of the show or the content or Absolutely. the setting of the show. Um yep. Whereas I do feel like Waitress is ve- the show is very much informed the other way around by Sarah mm-hmm. Bareilles' sound. It would be a different yeah. show if she wrote different kind of music. Yeah, uh, completely. Um, but I think it's quite nice because, and she's she's talked about this a bit herself, um, that she approached it kind of like a playground and and saw the opportunity mm-hmm. that writing a musical offers you, and that you don't need to have this coherent right sound like an album does you don't need it doesn't need to have that kind of commercial value sure um where it has to have a sound like this album has to sound like this yeah with a show you can actually experiment with musical styles and actually it's encouraged to do that you want to create a really diverse palette that's cool i never would have thought about it that way but it does that must be a huge pressure as a pop artist like every song must be independently marketable and like Mm. You know, no one's chomping at the bit to uh, cover "You're Never Ever Ever Getting Rid of Me." Um, right, uh, right, exactly. Right, but it, and it's a great song, but it is not independently marketable. Well, TikTok differs, but that's weird. Um, it's yeah. <laughs> that song hugely popular on TikTok. Yes, exactly. Super but, weird. Um, ignoring that world, <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, but like, but it's it, yeah, it's it's interesting because so. Obviously, she went on quite shortly after to basically make an album mm-hmm. of the music yeah. from Waitress. Um, and uh, it works as an album. Yeah. It's it's like a weird backwards concept album exploration. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? It's like you did the concert um, album second or the concept album second. Yeah, but it's it, it's one of those things you can. It's obviously not a rehash of the cast recording, right? And I think it's it's a really interesting experiment because you can hear the differences, yeah, that a pop album would have compared to a cast album, yeah, which isn't something that we get to 
to get to really enjoy to get to really appreciate that much and sure. i find i've i've been in this discussion quite a lot before like well what makes a musical theater song right a musical theater song well, and this compared is, to and this a pop is the song, thing you know? because we are it is only in maybe the recent two or three decades where we're seeing pop and musical theater diverge as forms mm-hmm. um you know oklahoma was pop that was it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's what you got on your record. Like, all the Tin Pan Alley songs are, you know, Cole Porter and stuff. Like, that's what people played on their pianos and what people sang to each other. And that was pop music. And yeah. then only since, you know, Bye Bye Birdie and Rock and Roll came in and we've seen pop being a different thing than musical theater. And yeah. now they have become such, like, that Venn diagram has totally, <laughs> like, cells separated and so yep. now when it comes back together, they're different little bubbles. Yep. And then now we're almost seeing things like, uh, well, kind of like Hamilton in a weird way, yeah. which obviously they went on to make the mixtape, sure. which tried to blur the lines a little bit more. Things right. like Six, yeah. where well, it's very much it's, pop music. It's, and is like, like intentionally informed by a very like uh, pop pastiche. Yeah. Um, so they're not, but it's, it's one of those things like they're not going to make it on the charts anymore right just because of the way you know music yeah. works yeah um hamilton i mean obviously hamilton billboard yes absolutely great um but like uh yeah i find i don't know i just find it it's an interesting thing especially even if you are see if you're a songwriter yeah even from that perspective it's really interesting to know well how can i take this song that i have mm-hmm. that works as a pop song right and make it musical theater without changing it yeah and giving it a character and i will say i think like i enjoy waitress it's not Mm -hmm. it's not top 10 for me um Mm -hmm. i think it works 80 percent in this show i think there are portions of music in here that just sound like pop songs um Mm -hmm. and i i i I grow disinterested or a little bored um like the musical theater part of my brain does because we're right. re- we're repeating a chorus again unnecessarily or without some added something or you know we we do a key change here not because it is character motivated or story motivated but because that's how the song needs to go um okay which you know and not often and not to a huge detriment to the show and not yeah. in a way that I think like my mom going to see the show would notice at all um yeah but it does it does I, strike me a bit. I think it's an incredibly I really love the score. I really, really love the score. Yeah. It's definitely my favorite part about the show. Sure. Um I agree it's not it's not my top ten, but it's so listenable and it is really it is, enjoyable. That's fair. Um, it is, every song is listenable and like and and exciting uh, and interesting and you know I would mm. I would hasten to say unique. Um, I think a lot because it is Sarah Bareilles's sound. There is something, but there is, and it, it, you know what? It's really interesting you say it because, like, I've I've been trying to pinpoint mm-hmm. this thing so I can make a really interesting and cohesive <laughs> sure. argument about it. Yeah, but I don't know what it is. But it does feel different. Like, it, I can't hear anyone else writing this. Yeah, like, I was thinking because um, she uses a lot of really delicious close harmony mm-hmm. um, because Sarah Bareilles is an incredible musician. Yes, right, and she yeah. like. And you can hear that in all of just her songs. Yeah. Um, but it's, I don't know, that I'm like, Pace and Paul kind of have a similar-ish vibe, again, with the close harmony and like using yeah. 
harmony. But um, like, there's no. there's always a background chorus going like, yeah, but it's done well. It's done really well. You know, yeah, what yeah, I mean, yeah. it, it enhances it and it feels, you know, for example, like in something like um, when he needs me, yeah, um, the backing chorus and that is really delicious mm-hmm. and it's really comp like it's complex yeah um it isn't story serving right right yeah but it enhances the song yeah you know what i mean and you can if you're going at it from an artistic perspective you can say that well as dawn starts dreaming more and more right this backing chorus comes in and then turns it into this big romantic yeah. grand but I, but I think that's the thing, thing that is like i do not mean this as a critique but because mm. sarah Bareilles comes at this from a non-musical standpoint Mm. It is, I think, if you're if you're trained in the school of musical theater, your initial motivation is to make the chorus a story existence. And yeah. the chorus in the show is not, for the most part, a story existence. Yeah. Um, when they're backing up in a number, they're they're nothing. They're not. They're nothing. They're yeah. not. A, they're not a metaphor for a dream. They're like a service to make a bowl float, um, or like you know, with some exceptions. With there's you know some pregnant lady moments where there's a bunch of them in mm-hmm. like the contraction ballet and some other places. Yeah. But for the most part, the you know, the chorus is like background singers in a pop sense. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, which wouldn't happen with a raised in musical theater style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I yeah I probably agree. Um, I'm just trying to think though. Does it do it any sort of disservice? I think. Like, it, are we missing something because to, she's not utilizing the chorus? I don't know. To me, it what it, do you think it creates a different kind of feeling? Like, I think that's what I. That's one of the highest points. I mean that yeah. this show would feel and look different were it not for Sarah Bareilles's music. Like, mm. it wouldn't be as dreamlike and lyrical in its staging because they need these background singers to facilitate the music that we've written and so then you need a reason for actual humans to be on stage in these moments and so therefore you build two pie carts that can move around in dramatic ways because these people need something to do right like that's a that's a decision tree that happened at some point um all because of a music choice and yeah. I have no doubt that that was the direction of the thing. They weren't like, <laughs> well, we need pie pie carts, and then wrote the music on the in the other direction to facilitate having the people to move right, them, right? Uh, which definitely happens in musical theater. Absolutely, like a hundred percent. We need we need all these things to move, so we got to write a you know, like when the in the original cast of Company, when the elevator needs to descend to let everyone come down <laughs> at the very beginning, like we la, and it just keeps going <laughs> and going and going. The longest note in musical theater right. history. Absolutely, like, that's where the music music followed the set but i think yeah. very much in this one like the music came first uh-huh and then and actually the music the music leads a lot yes you know what i mean and it, it kind of interestingly as usual with these kind of things like the whole creative process isn't deeply talked about sure um but from interviews and things like that and things that i can glean it really seems like it's it was diane and sarah mm-hmm. talking a lot about what to do yeah. because even the book writer um uh, jesse nelson yes. jesse nelson nelson um she she doesn't it almost operate as a traditional book writer mm-hmm. because kind of a lot of the song spotting was done 
already you know what i mean already right. like from yeah. the conversations between diane and sarah yeah. um again like we don't we can't peer behind the curtain we don't know what's happening there exactly um but I, I think a lot of and then you know we don't know producer influence coming in and being sure. like well actually no you can't have that you can't have that right. can't have, yeah. we don't know these things um we'll wait for the memoir <laughs> uh, but it's it, it's really interesting it is very much like the music is at the forefront of this and the music is really yeah. the driver for the story yeah um and it is that kind of kind of bread and butter musical theater yeah. of scene to set up a song yeah seem to set up a song i will say it is a good it is a good thing in my world that that was the result of what was in essence a stunt authorship casting right like mm. they I, they didn't pick sarah Bareilles particularly because she was the perfect person to tell the story of waitress like maybe they said that when they were getting her to sign the contract but mm. sarah Bareilles's name is on the marquee and that's important, yes. right? Yeah, that is, um, that is really, really important. And this could have totally gone, you know, the the SpongeBob route, right? Where yeah. everyone writes their own songs and we kind of slap them all together. Or, you know, she writes songs that don't feel like appropriate stage songs. And so mm-hmm. now we have to figure out a way to make, to shoehorn them into this plot. Um, yeah. And like, that didn't happen, which which is cool. And I think you know speaks to sarah Bareilles' canny about the whole thing i think so and like she she's quite a out and out music theater fan like she talks yeah. quite openly um about her relationship with musical theater and it isn't just the kind of retconning right like oh, oh my like, god oh, yeah, i've I always loved, loved theater blah, blah, blah. yeah like she has a lot of stories of hers tied into it yeah. um i think she even like i think she might have auditioned for the mickey mouse club or something she might have been in it at some point <laughs> um like it's it has definitely been a part of her yeah growing up one of the most iconic things that have happened in sarah Bell's life is her um performing part of your world mm. because do you know this story i don't know this, this is great so um she was at a gig um and the power went out okay so to fill in time uh-huh. she just spontaneously sang part of your world uh-huh. and it was like such a smash and became obviously because it was on youtube you know sure like that yeah she brought it just into her yeah. set yeah huh. <laughs> and it's now this like she is synonymous with part of your world um which i think is brilliant yeah um but yeah just it, it's you're right it is stunt mm-hmm. in that sense and not that there's I, it's, it's it's good that it's not a comp- there's no thought behind yeah, it like you know I, I mean i will say it, this is because sometimes i think we poo poo stunt casting mm-hmm. this is stunt casting done well yeah i'm like done, that's the thing is it works it totally works it yeah. totally fits everything right that it, to the point where want it, to do. It, it is stunt but is also someone with talent doing it yeah yeah exactly you know? i think i think there's probably a lot of artists out there who are writing who probably could do a really good job at this yeah yeah um and i i, I don't know i'd be kind of interested to, to to see a few i it's one of those things because it's not as lucrative uh-huh if you're like a massive grammy winning right pop star yeah you're not going to be like time for me to write a musical because it's so much work you right know i mean like yeah. it's not well but and it's it, a shame because it'd be it'd be just really interesting I think. yeah but it, i mean like you know d- d- take the cautionary tale of spider-man 
with Bono and the Edge. Like, <laughs> yeah, there are yeah. ways for it to turn south for sure. Um, You're right. And like you can see, like Bono and the Edge were just as passionate about Spider Man as Sarah Bareilles was about Waitress. Like they were, but they weren't as passionate about musical theater. Fair. I wonder if that's the difference. To my knowledge. Yeah, I, 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 but I'm ninety percent sure. Yeah, no, that that <laughs> seems anyway. like a, a fair assertion to make. Because that, I think that probably is a thing. Because if you're coming at it from the perspective of, I, I don't really get music theater. I don't understand why people love this. Yeah, your heart and soul isn't going to be poured into it. Right. Whereas if you grew up with it, yeah, and you are a nerd, yeah, of course you're going to treat it with respect. Yeah, there is an understanding, you know, like a musical theater boot camp. You kind of need to go through. Like even you know. I'd have to, I haven't done this research, but like Elton John, let's talk about Lion King, say. Yeah, there you go. There's your pop star, by the yeah, way. Yeah, that is another one, I guess. Yeah. Um, and like, it's kind of back, <sighs> back formed because the, the movie happened first. Um, but Billy Elliot. Mm, yeah, fair. You fair. know what I mean? Like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, fantastic, it's a fantastic musical. Yeah. Um, and the the music works and i i mean i don't know elton john being who he is right i like, imagine he's watched a musical i imagine he's life. a <laughs> musical theater fan like he, he, he kind of looks like one um right exactly um i think is that a huge part of rocket man i've not seen it yet <laughs> but you know the time he goes to see cats and is like ah yes <laughs> i get it although he would have been well into his career by that point it's a, so it's a cut scene not. from rocket man <laughs> yeah exactly it's i think a, that's actually the crucial point of the plot it's a it's a cross-promotional venture with the the cat's twitter account um, right oh god <laughs> good um yeah so i think i think it i think it totally works yeah i'm I, more than happy for it i agree it does make it feel unique and is mm. the sort of thing you know then, then this stuff starts happening more, and we start doing it poorly. Um, like that's always one of my fears with this sort of stuff. Always, yeah. it's like, oh well, yeah. we can only cast pop stars now to do our music. Um, which, like, I don't think Waitress had the wild success that would absolutely spur producers to do I've that. Done that, mm, and interesting. I th- and I think. As you said, because musical theater isn't as lucrative, it's not as big of a carrot for... And it's so much work. Yeah, it's so much like, work. Regardless of anything, you're still writing, Yeah, I don't know, like 20-odd songs? Yeah. Well, like... And if you want to do it right, you're going to spend at least a month like in New York coming to see the show all the time. Like, Yeah. It's taxing in a bunch of ways and probably Absolutely. isn't going to make you that much money compared to the other stuff you do if you're that kind of famous. Yeah. Is there anyone out of interest? Is there mm-hmm. anyone... Like an artist that you would say, I really want them to write a musical. Lizzo. Oh, interesting. Yeah. What do you think that would take the shape of? Oh, I don't know. That's why I want to see it. (laughs) (laughs) You just want to see what would happen. I mean, following in a certain trend, one of mine would easily be Gaga. Yeah, sure. I'm surprised she hasn't done something, you know. I don't think it would be a musical. Well, I don't know. In her, like, post-Tony Bennett world, um, maybe. Like a traditional out and MTP. Like, it's. I mean, she's halfway there already. I feel you right. Know I mean? The narratives and some of her yeah stuff. I think one of the difficulties, like if we're going to explore this hypothetical, is yeah. if you if you stunt cast Gaga as your uh, writer for musical theater, you want it to be a Lady Gaga concert mm-hmm. with you know bizarre, weird angles and an embryo egg. Um, but I think. 
she would much rather, like, assuming she'd sign up and is a fan of musical theater, want to mm. go a more traditional musical theater route, which would disappoint the fan base you're trying to bring in to begin yeah. with. Yeah. You know what I mean? But then again, yeah. how long is it going to be, I'm looking at my watch, uh-huh. uh, before we get the adaptation of A Star is Born? Fair. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because she's already got a few lined up already. Yeah. I don't know. That, I mean, it, the film's happened so many times, surely it would have happened. <laughs> right. But um, that'd be interesting. Yeah. I mean, we're, you know, musical theater. We, I think, I feel like I say this every year and it just keeps happening. Uh-huh. Musical theater <laughs> keeps just ending up in a weirder and weirder place. Like, yeah. I, we're, I think we pride ourselves in some predictions about, like, specific things about the future of musical theater. But, yeah. like, if you asked me two years ago, if you described to me six, like, four years ago, and said, like, and this is going to be very popular on Broadway in four years, I would be like, yeah. oh, what? what is that? Exactly. You know? Exactly. Like, yeah. every, every time, it's just another left turn. Yeah. What's next? God, I, I'm scared to even say. I know. Who can say? The Britney Spears musical, everyone. It's the Britney Spears musical. It's probably going to happen. Stop it. You, you put it out. What do you mean it's probably going to happen? It's in production. I could have. I would. You're welcome, darling. I wish I didn't know. I want to. I got to Google something. How do I delete a tweet from my mind? Mm. Um, Feed it to the void fish. There we go. Feed it to the void fish. You have a wife. You have a husband. You are my doctor. You got a baby. side mm-hmm. uh this is uh a team mm-hmm. to talk about yeah this is a big old girl power team it's good it, it really is um so who have we got we've got sarah Bareilles. we've talked about her um directed by diane paulis we've got jenna nielsen mm-hmm. uh we've got lauren lataro who's the choreographer nadia oh that's a really hard last name to say Gilinardo, Gilinardo, De Gilinardo. I'm going to go with that. Um, who was the musical director, mm-hmm. which is great. We never talk about musical directors. No. Um, just a, a full on all female creative team. Yeah, which is uh, like this is pioneering on Broadway right now, which yep. is a shame. First time but... that's ever happened. Yeah. <laughs> was with Waitress in 2016. Yeah. Um, Te- technically, it was the second time it's ever happened. In 1978, the musical Runaways um, had book, music, lyrics, choreography, and direction all by one gal whose name was Elizabeth Swados. Oh, cool. I don't know if that entirely counts. <laughs> but. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but was that a male producer? Ooh. I don't know enough about the hit Broadway musical Runaways. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just shocking. <laughs> um because, yeah, Fran Weisler is the producer. Barry's also there, but we talk about Fran. She's the one on the, <laughs> exactly. um, the billboard. But that's, I mean, it's great. Yeah. It's absolutely incredible. And um, it comes through yeah. in the content. I mean, I don't think, one, I don't even know if this show would have happened 
if there was a more male heavy production team to begin with um yeah but even if it had it would feel kind of gross um i don't think it would be handled with the same in the same way that it is in the show exactly there's there is it just feels very authentic yeah yeah and And i'm saying that as a cis man right like Like, we're we're out of our lane here but it does yeah that's it is it feels authentically not something i can relate to right (laughs) yeah (laughs) well i would say it feels authentically something that i wouldn't write well that i Mm. wouldn't write well or create well or conceive well um because it's not my experience and not my world um but that makes it all the better that like you know this is one of the great things about theater is that we now get an insight into this world that isn't ours of the female experience in these particular moments um in a way that not only shows us the actuality of it but through the joy of musical theater lets us feel it too um which is why like it's why this was a news story and why people think it's important because it shows exactly that's the thing is it yeah i like that it's intrinsic to the story Mm -hmm. because would it would it have had much press if it was an all-female team writing something that had nothing to do with women sure i mean uh fun home was also getting the same sort of press um, similar thing similar but again thing. female perspective female perspective you know, like, you know yeah it's, it's it's i don't know i just find it it's an interesting one because would yeah would it would we be talking about it nearly as much or would it be as much of a feature right. of the show if it wasn't a show kind of a, about women right well and the this experiences is, of women i mean we've we've talked about this in like talking about different uh diverse groups when uh uh the authorship is incongruent with the groups represented um yep. like ragtime or once on this island or yep. a couple other places um and like I th- if, I think if I recall correctly, our conclusion was kind of that's fine, but not the best. Um, yeah, it's it's like better than not having the story told at yeah, all. Better than not representation, but there, yeah. you know, in in theory, those sorts of authors, you know, if men wrote waitress, they don't even know what they don't know. Um, yeah, right, yeah, exactly. And so, like finding their blind spots, doing this sort of thing with care and intent is easier to and like has been done wrong plenty of times in the past um and so like the only way to get diverse theater is to have diverse creators yeah 100 percent um so let's kind of talk a little bit about how it's intrinsic in the story and what are some of the kind of big features sure they get pulled out um we've talked about it already but one one of the things that i think resonated with me the most because it was something that i physically could relate to mm-hmm. um is jenna's relationship with her mother mm, and how yeah. that's infused throughout the entire show yeah um and how jenna's mother although never actually present right um kind of influences so much of her decision making right. and uh you get it from all sides it's her history it's her past it's her present yeah um it becomes her view you know what i yeah. mean like it's it is really well done yeah and like the that's one of the joys of the the story writing to begin with how well that's incorporated because jenna is going through this experience of like the child that's about to be in her life um and is reminiscing about her mother and her history there but also is so deeply rooted in her mother 
because of her joy of baking pies. Exactly. Which very explicitly she got from her mother. And then, yeah. like, story-wise explicitly got from her mother because her mother did it to help as a parenting technique to help yeah. them evade their – I think he's drunk or abusive or something, like Jenna's father. Um, yeah. And, like, then we see that come full circle. Um absolutely um yeah because that's the thing is like if the pregnancy storyline wasn't there yeah i feel like her relationship with her mother would still be a huge part yes of the of the story which is is really lovely i think that's a really nice yeah um it, it shows the depth of jenna's character yeah that it's not a means to an end it's not like oh well let's talk about your mother because you're gonna be a mother la 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 right it's like no this is something that has shaped yeah this character this is her main influence yeah and and you know? i think one of the things that the show does really really well are those moments like physically how mm. you know the the mother exists and appears and is in these moments and they never like she's a, a ghost or a specter or a vision she never has any lines they never point at her and be like that one that one's the mother get it yeah um yeah. but you totally do and then the next and every time she shows up you're like oh okay i am like this moment makes more sense i understand exactly why this is here like it's so simple and effective like it, it is it is very brilliant yeah, I really, really love it. I also really enjoy, and I don't know, this is, like, this feels out of my lane, and so I think I might stumble talking around some of this, but mm. um, a, a, a nuanced female perspective of, like, n- non-traditional romance relationships, let's say. Oh my god, it's, it is my favorite thing about the show. Yeah. Um, like, Hands down. And that's cool, and... Not something I don't have a good comparison for. Like I, don't, I can't think of another piece of media where that's done, much less done well, but like done. Um, Do you mean a musical theater? Yeah, that like yeah, <coughs> not or, at all. Like, or it, outside it, of musical theater, and that's I have less of a less of a compendium there. But yeah, um, like, I mean, I just think like for me, I'm quite non-traditional when it comes to love and 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 that's you know as i get older that's something that i am discovering and understanding yeah um so it's really i find it really nice yeah when shows talk about it in quite a mature way yeah um so kind of how it's probably say how it's represented in waitress Mm -hmm. um basically two of the characters are shown um to be infidelis how do you say it uh how do you say it it's like they're t- i am um, you're not an infidel i know well and it's bad it's bad <laughs> because all of the all of the language we have around this is negative and mean right you're right che- exactly you're, you're cheating on them you're unfaithful to them yep um and you know so both um uh jenna has uh, an affair with yep. her obi-gyne they're OB-G-Y-N, both married yep. um and then is it Becky. Becky. Um, Becky is uh, has a fling with the the cook at the diner uh, who yeah. is who is married, um, and so of course that has to be a secret too. Um, yeah. And like in a lot of shows, in a lot of places where you deal with an affair, like the affair being a secret is very one dimensional. Like mm-hmm. it's either it's it's bad or it's sexy and dangerous or it's mean yep. or it's yep. unthoughtful. But in both of these cases, it is nuanced and um, you know multi-dimensional. Um, like st- looked as something that is both good and bad for the characters involved. Um, yeah, which is 
cool and nuanced. Um, and because, you know, the, the show's very female forward in a way that I think a lot of other representations are not. Um, mm-hmm. It gives it a nice, that just feels nicer. Um, it, well, it's just more, re- it's just more realistic. That's the yeah. thing. You know, it's it, when, and I can't remember what show we talked about this in. We was talking about infidelity and how, oh, I think it might have been last five years. Mm, right sure if you want jimmy's strong views on infidelity and the complexity surrounding that go listen to that episode because (laughs) we talk about it a lot and it's it's just a good episode um but yeah there's so much more to it than just you're a bad person you cheated right 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 yeah there is depth and like relationships are the most complicated things that we can have yeah do you know what i mean yeah so we don't we don't understand them there's no rhyme or reason there's literally no pattern to it right um and so of course infidelity will occur yeah and of course sometimes it isn't the worst thing and sometimes it's absolutely necessary yeah do you know what i mean and like the the tact with which waitress does this like you know uh earl jenna's husband is a like is a dick is terrible but is you're you're not like sitting there in your seat screaming at the stage like why are you still with him like get out it's girl. not carousel right like you 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 see it you know she needs to get out you know she knows she needs to get out exactly um, and all the characters in her life know this too um yeah but you also see what's hard about it um mm-hmm. and like not defending earl but i think it is an accurate representation of these kind of abusive relationships and why you know people who stick around in abusive relationships aren't stupid or like not seeing no. this thing um like this stuff is complex um, there was there was a statistic that i read somewhere um that said apparently in domestically abusive relationships uh the on average will leave their partner seven times wow before finish like yeah that's yeah it just it, yeah it's there's so much more to this than just a cheated right exactly or like you know in another kind of representation of this like would she packs her bags and leaves like and that's right yeah and, and uh-huh. we're there and that's yeah you don't get to see and part of it is i think that is a larger part of the plot of, of this show but mm-hmm. the struggle the like the ups and downs she has with earl um yeah you know and then the ups and downs she has with uh her doctor um you know uh uh matter um and like how they conclude their cheating relationship um in, in the doctor's office at the end and how it's like this wasn't great but it wasn't bad either exactly um i think again that's another thing that i really love about this show is that it's not that we cheated because i was in a bad relationship and everyone wants us to be together and so we get together right it's not that it's this isn't actually what i want or need i've evaluated that now yeah it was good and it was helpful at the time but to be honest i want to just be here with me and my daughter right i love that yeah because it could be so easy for them to just tie it up in this lovely bow of right joy yeah where it's like i've left my wife oh my god we can be together now right. great or, or or like you know uh the doctor's wife who works at the hospital comes in and like catches them 
in in Felagrante Delicto, um, yep. or whatever, and like that becomes a bit, and it's just like, no, no, this happened, and yeah, like you you might be a not great but not terrible person, Doctor Jim, and not confess it to your wife, and like yep. that could be okay or could not be okay. Absolutely. Um, then it's just it's all it's all just these flaws yeah. that we all have yeah coming to the fore because it's what's really nice is you see his wife yeah and she's delightful and she's delightful and so nice she's and it, not you know what i mean she's not the horrible person right that you would expect her to be because he's having an affair right exactly no. but they also don't play him up as being a terrible person for cheating on his nice wife um, exactly like that's that's nice <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's really it's really nuanced it's really tasteful and i just think it's the kind of story that i like to see being told because it's so real it's yeah it's just well, it, and uh, yeah even if we're talking about maybe the the less real feeling uh romance story in this show um with uh uh dawn and what's his face ogie ogie <laughs> um and like him being kind of stalkerish and like really into her but then them connecting over their love of revolutionary war reenactments um right. and that like keep coming back and like yes it's a joke but also happens there are Absolutely. so many relationships about like oh you're you you're weird like me right yeah. we're weird I mean... together Absolutely. A, a lot of very successful relationships are formed on that exact thing. Yeah. Um, one little thing. Yeah. You know what I mean, that it's like, oh, we share this. Nobody else shares this. So you have to be the one. Right. Exactly. We are so passionate about this thing. Um, exactly. That we're going to be passionate about it together. Um, yeah. Which is also like, that's a non-traditional relationship. And I do love that it, it does seem to have hit the sweet spot where like they get plenty of laughs about it. Mm-hmm. But it is not treated as something like it. It is still nice. It is still. It's not degraded. Um, it's not looked down upon. Um, yeah, they're not like the nerds. Yeah, no, no character I think makes fun of them for these moments. They all show up to their no, American Revolution it, themed know, wedding. Celebrate, um, absolutely. Yeah. Which is great. As as a nerd, I'm like good. We yeah. like this. Let your <laughs> let your let your nerddom nerddom shine. Absolutely. Thank you, Shrek. <laughs> um one of the other things I think is really nice mm-hmm. we kind of talked about it, um is the idea of all of these characters being flawed. Yes. Like yeah. every single one. There is we we deal with a lot of broad strokes in it. Yeah. Just because of the nature of the beast. Yeah, that's that's musical theater. We don't have a lot of time theater. to fall in love. We don't have a lot of time to show that Earl's not great. Right. Um but Jenna, Dawn, Becky, mm-hmm. Oge, everyone. Yeah. Um what's the name of the uh, the owner of the cafe? Uh Cal. 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 That's it. Um, who is a character I really, really like. And yeah. he's not in any way deep and featured. But um really, really like him. Uh, all of these characters are... They just feel extremely human. Yeah. Even, because their flaws match up to their niceitudes. I don't yeah. know what the word would yeah. be. Even, even Earl, who is on the more flawed end of yeah. the spectrum. Like, yep. you, he, he's not someone to emulate. He... And like... 
is a is a villain but not a mustache twirling one um no not at all not at all and um actually there's there's a good interview with um jesse nelson the Mm -hmm. the book writer um where she talks about she didn't want to paint this broad strokes villain when she created him she wanted to show the root of someone who is domestically abusive yeah like it doesn't just come because i like to beat up people right it comes from somewhere do you know what i mean and yeah um it what that does is it makes the whole situation around the domestic violence yeah much more real because it, it's it is that thing it's like humans can do this to other humans it's not like yeah. evil people do this to good people right yeah it does and it does i don't know if this is weird or not but something about that realisticness of it Mm-hmm. makes me lean into it more as opposed to i think there are depictions like much more broad strokes depictions of things like uh domestic abuse or some of these more like heavy hitting topics where mm-hmm. you know i i like sit back in my chair and like oh god oh that, oh terrible oh god right and right. It, you feel that knot in your chest and like this is a bad thing and i and it exists in the world and i don't like that it exists in the world whereas mm-hmm. the way it is portrayed in here you move a little closer to it and you're like huh okay mm-hmm. so this you know it it's humanizes it more and i don't mean that it 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 makes domestic violence more acceptable lessen it exactly no it's not excusing it in in any way right but it does shine a brighter light on it so you can have a fuller idea of how these how this might happen um yeah and kind of how i think it's like how easily it can happen yes how natural naturally it can happen it isn't do you know i mean it isn't to do with villains because villains very very rarely exists right you know what i mean yeah um it it is just a completely it's a it's a human thing humans some humans are capable of it and um the fact that it can make us say both those things at the same time absolutely not excusing any kind of domestic violence but also saying these are humans behind these things yep is like that is a huge success and is hard to do definitely and What's good about Waitress and what's good about what they've written is that it puts uh, Jesse, mm-hmm. Jesse, I'm saying Jesse Mueller, <laughs> Jenna, sorry, yeah. um, Jenna at the forefront. Yes. It's her perspective on it. It's her story. Yeah. Um, and that's what stops it from becoming, well, let's look at a, you know, balanced side of domestic right, violence. Right. Well, you and, know what I mean? Because and this is, you, you go. Well, I was just going to say, this is one of the things, the biggest issues I have with uh carousel mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because it ain't balanced oliver right it, it is not balanced yeah. it's really really not and it's not you're not seeing it from a female perspective it's just a, a given yeah. this is what the guy does because he's like that yeah well and also there's uh i feel like in some of these you you have that uh uh watching a horror movie reaction where you know mm. the character went down the deep dark scary hall where the man with the knife's at the end of it and you're like no no yep. don't open that door and never once do you see jenna make a decision where you're like that was the wrong decision um like yeah. maybe there's somewhere like uh i'm not quite sure but you never see her like do do that horror movie trope um, which mm-hmm. I think happens mm-hmm. in some of these stories sometimes. Like, And then she yeah. made that mistake by staying with him, right? She had yeah. the chance to get out now and didn't because she still thinks he, like, 
she there isn't that kind of mental character mistake that mm. the like with the journey the audience goes on um yeah. which just makes it more about the you know how we're all flawed as humans and kind of have to navigate through that totally um one of the other things again that i think this does that we certainly don't see in musical theater mm-hmm. um that i really love is the fact that at the end of the show jen is a single mother mm-hmm. who is hugely successful yeah and celebrates yeah and that's just <laughs> I fine think that's yeah yeah nifty as hell and because... it, it would have been so easy to deflate like that ending yeah. scene lulu's a kid and alive and she owns the diner and a man we haven't met yet who's hot walks in and kisses her on the lips right right so because she deserves the success including the man um Exa- exactly like that's it is it's like it just doesn't come into it and it yep. wouldn't it genuinely wouldn't even feel right i don't think if that's what happened oh it because... would be it's so demoralizing like we would <sighs> we'd be bitching and moaning about it right now right a hundred percent exactly that's that's what's so refreshing because yeah. it's like oh we don't we don't have to argue about that that's great um yeah it's it's really it's really nice like single motherdom especially in this day and age yeah is like massive there are hordes of single mothers out there mm-hmm. um and they're all badasses because yeah. they have this huge job taking care of a child, yeah. but also having to take care of themselves. Yeah. When I um, and I think what's nice about waitress is they're like it is single motherdom, not as a demonic or like thing to pity, but mm. also not as like and look at what this superhero was able to accomplish, right? Yeah. Not like overcoming all ops. Like no. It's it's barely you barely notice it. That's right. the thing. Yeah, it would, it's like, not like I'm by myself, but it's okay. Right. Um, it, I think that was in the cutting room floor. That's all. <laughs> it was beautiful. Uh, Sarah did. Yeah. Um, and thank God she cut it out because <laughs> they don't need it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just I, again, I love it. I love seeing these stories, these narrative threads that we've never seen before yeah that we absolutely should be seeing yes you know it's it always excites me yeah um and it's little things like this that make me love waitress yeah even more because i'm like yes yeah brilliant keep yeah. it on a stage and you know it's a like it's musical theater my mom will go see this right like people like it's a piece of pop culture pop in the popular way um yeah. and like bringing that story to this in a totally digestible like not off-putting way um yep. that's not like at the end like grabbing the audience's head and being like look at it look at it but yeah is just like letting Issues. it exist it's and... not it's not at all it's just like yeah enjoy this story enjoy the story away with it there's some things you might learn from it and we yep. are gonna get we're gonna give you a happy ending because it's musical theater um and still knowing that we're all kind of flawed but that's okay exactly exactly it's fab yeah no, that is, is what it is very nice about it <sighs> but hey <laughs> but is it feminist? some people don't agree hey guys it is ryan i'm not sure if you know this about me but i'm a bit of a fun fanatic when i can i like to work but i like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I grew up an only child in the suburb of the city. I spent my days alone. My only friend was a stray kitty called Sardine. Yeah, I thought it was hilarious to call a cat a kind of fish. She played hard to get. Hiss and watch her scratch me. What she was trying to say was, Ogie, come and catch me. I learned quickly that perseverance stood between a cat and her new best friend, me. Uh-huh. Because, and I'm going to throw my hands up here, um, and I've probably said it 4,000 times already. Um, there is a, there's a question around this that just because it's female-led, does that make it feminist? Sure. In the political sense sure. that we know feminism. Yeah. Um, and it's, a, it's an interesting talking about. Basically, it, the, this question um was thrown up to me by an article um i think from vox okay uh it'll be in the show notes anyway give it a read because it 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 was it just kind of made me go like huh interesting the other side of the coin Mm -hmm. that i hadn't really considered um so basically like roughly this article um says that everywhere is plastered as you know, this great feminist story told by women. Mm-hmm. That's what you hear. Um, and this article was basically arguing the fact that, well, actually, it's it's not a feminist story. It's not this kind of feminist fairy tale mm-hmm. that it's portrayed as because of X, Y, and Z. So mm-hmm. what is X, Y, and Z? Um, they focus a lot on the film okay, and how the kind of feminism that exists in the film doesn't necessarily find its way onto the stage. Sure. Um, and one of the things in particular with that is uh, to do with the domestic abuse. Mm-hmm. So obviously we've talked about how it's, it's featured in the show already. Um, but in the film, yeah, so you see Earl actively uh, attacking Jenna. Um, that's something you never physically see. Sure. Super, in, super in strongly Matrix. implied, if not explicitly implied, but he n- he never hits her on stage, and gets very close. Yeah, and but... certainly it happened. Like we are, there is no doubt that it has happened in yeah. this relationship. But hundred percent. Um. So this article was saying that like you're not showing the picture as it is. It's it was trying to argue that um, you know, like you say, people leave seven times they leave a relationship it's not just like i am striking out on my own and i'm gonna do it hooray hooray Uh they were trying to argue that that isn't the reality Hmm. and therefore that doesn't make it feminist because you're not telling the story as it is interesting it is interesting because i I mean, I don't know, and and this I don't have an answer for this, and I'm sure. really interested to hear what I mean, people think about like, it. I think taking a step back, I'm curious about like I can tell you why it happened, um, like 
this is a fun and bubbly musical, um, and that's the difference. If you're going to add in the music, it's going to be harder to come back from the hit into another sugar butter flower or right. like you're never ever ever getting rid of me because it is heightened in the bubbly direction i think yep. there's a window that this world has to exist in and that shoves it off the other end from domestic violence mm-hmm. um i would i would wager um like that would mm-hmm. be the conversation i would imagine happening in the writer's room um i also th- and then i think there's another discussion about um it's one it's one thing to see simulated domestic violence on film it's another mm-hmm. thing to see simulated domestic violence in person um absolutely you know this is the little shop of horrors difference um yeah and like at the end of the musical they all die and at the end of the movie they kill the plant um because it it feels you know these these medias feel different and you have yeah. to take that into account when you adapt it um i also i think this is still developing in, in my mind, but I think I disagree mm-hmm. with the fact that the exclusion or with the assertion that the exclusion of like what appears to be like the, the visual domestic violence in the show removes a feminist edge from this. I think that's grasping at straws. Um, yeah. Because domestic violence still exists in this show, clearly. Um, you don't need to see it to know it. Um, and like... This is how the, I I hate making this these associations because I know there are different mm-hmm. worlds. But my experience is the gay experience um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in in relation to a lot of these things. I don't need to see gay bashing to know that it happened. I don't need yeah. to watch it to feel it. Right. And yeah. then if you take some of the connotations that an audience might have with just you know the triggering nature of witnessing violence on stage, right? Then I think you're doing a disservice to the rest of the points of your story. Um, yep. And I think it is short-sighted to say that the only thing or to assert that the only thing or one of the only things that is going to make this show feminist is domestic violence. Um, I think there are plenty of other things that make this show feminist. And I just feel like this is like kind of where this article falls down because we've just we've already talked about a lot of them yeah well Do you know what i mean i was curious the ending, i feel is completely yeah. feminist i was curious when you put this in the show notes because i do think because i only just the concept of like things that don't make this show feminist i mm-hmm. think i don't know if it's the right argument but i think there is an argument to be made about like these are still women living in a man's world in a bunch of contexts um, you know, there are some plenty of moments where the, the man's making the decision, um, you know, uh, uh, the stalkerish, stalkerish nature of you're never, ever, ever getting rid of me um, yep. isn't great, but it is is real. Right. Um, like not including these things in the musical, not including those things in the musical, I think would be a greater disservice um, mm-hmm. than not including physical simulated uh, uh, domestic abuse, um, yeah. and uh, you know, I I struggle with discussions around feminism because I know there's a lot of really passionate people on a in, on a lot of different levels about this. Absolutely, um, and it's it's out of my lane in a bunch of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I also always wonder. If some, if like we have done in this podcast, some of the feminist knob is toned up in this because of the all female writing team, um, mm-hmm. and like I have a fear that like when an all female writing team 
writes a musical about baseball or something right something that it, or something non-traditionally feminist adjacent or just like yeah a, a musical that's just a story um yeah. that's about something else are we still going to be having the conversation about how great it is that like do we need to keep Would drawing an article being like this right. all-female team isn't feminist right exactly because they wrote this musical about boxing um right like that's stupid too um yeah if yeah. if men can write musicals about women, like, <laughs> th- right? What the hell? Um, so I just like, I, I, I don't know. I just feel like the article it's a, just a little bit disappointing because, um, again, like I read a I read another article um, that talks about Jesse Nelson mm-hmm. and her prep for writing it. Sure. Um, and apparently she actually worked with. Um, some psychologists mm-hmm. um, for an an, organiz- an organization called Savvy S A V I, which is the Mount Sinai Sexual Assault and Violence Intervention Program. Okay, yeah. Um, experts in the field. Yeah, you know, I mean, she is liaising and talking with these people. Right. Um, and what she got from that was uh, the idea of making Earl. Mm-hmm a human as yeah. opposed to this yeah. broad strokes yeah. you know uh I, thing and, and making sure that that was really well handled and i think that's the thing is like this article is basically being like uh they didn't do enough you know what i mean like right. they didn't well do... and also i think it is you know i'm i am absolutely solidified <laughs> in my opinion now and i think it's shitty um yeah like it is so short-sighted and uh uh uh, narrow-minded to assume that the only kind of domestic abuse is physical um, mm-hmm. or that, like, the only kind that matters. Like, mm-hmm. there's plenty of... And we see it in the show. Earl is, like, very mentally... I mean, uh, that song that they share is... Uh, it's, it is. It, it's yeah. really alarming. Yeah. Like, it, it's, that's domestic abuse, right? Yeah. Um, you know, that's the, like, when you... I don't know if they... Um, do this in the uk but one of the um default uh primary care doctor questions they ask everyone um and it's good there's a big push right now to make sure doctors are asking men this too um Mm. but they ask among like do you wear a helmet do you floss you know do you smoke they also ask do you ever feel unsafe at home um right and the 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 prime question is like are you in some kind of domestic abuse situation Mm -hmm. but the Mm -hmm. question is do you ever feel unsafe at home not yeah has anyone ever hit you, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and, like, it's important. That's an important thing to talk about. Yeah, I think yeah. I, I, I grow impatient with um, uh, woke infighting sometimes. Um, like, yeah. we're on the same side of this, you know? Like, can we celebrate what it is and not <laughs> – this sounds – hypocritical coming from us Mm. but like not nitpick the bits and pieces (laughs) that don't live up to how we want this thing to be represented right um like don't you know there's there's a forest around you as well like stop looking for that one tree you can't find right exactly um one of the things the the article does talk about though it's not just all about domestic abuse they do talk about don's relationship with ogie yeah i Um, think that's a a fair fairer for investigation i agree that is the bit that i don't quite like yeah i Um, think it happens right 
it does it does no it's it's interesting so apparently in the film uh-huh. um don is a lot more aware of ogie's behavior sure and um this is this is from the article not from the film um it says, and while Don Stalker is portrayed as ultimately a good man, she directly acknowledges that he wore her down and stalked her into a relationship, mm. admitting that she's only with him because she's settling. Mm. Interesting. Obviously, it's, it's a lot darker. It is a lot darker. The subject marker. Yeah. Uh, subject. Um, what's the word? What's the phrase? Subject matter. Fucking mm. hell. Oh, <laughs> dear. It's getting late. Yeah. Um, the subject matter in Waitress. Yeah. But um yeah it's the the kind of laughing at the jokey christopher fitzgerald yeah. being amazing whilst also being like i love you means you're never you ever, i'm yeah. not gonna leave you i i you have no choice in the matter i wish like when we stage our production of waitress um yeah i think that number needs becky and jenna getting in the way more like no, no, like you're go, you're going. Here's your coat. Get it. stop. No, 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 no. Leave. Stop. It. Stop it. She doesn't want to talk. Like no, 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 no. Stop it. Like you're, you're stalking her. You need to leave. Um, and like you can still find a way where like he, you know, Charlie Brown's puts his hands in his pants like mope, mope, mope. Um, you know, I love American Revolution reenactments and like the uh, how to succeed in business bell goes off in everyone's brain right. and like ding and then they fall in love. But yeah. like to give a little more women empowerment in that moment to be like i told you i did not want to see you and you are here and that violates the request i made um, exactly like i think you could still make that work um and i have think it so be a, a little like it, it makes oki really one-dimensional um perhaps oh, one completely. of the most one-dimensional characters in the show um oh yeah like his his flaw is a joke um which sucks because that's the thing is it's not really a joke right like it the, like the actual the, what the it thing is, that is his flaw funny. is not funny in real life um yeah. like i got a stalker <laughs> right uh-huh. like not funny um so that would be where you yeah, know my that's fair now like amazing that jenna nelson did the research into domestic violence maybe think and, about the nuances and and like, i don't i don't doubt there are stalkers like this in situations that have happened like this Mm. But the other thing, to the Vox article's intended point, I don't think that makes this not a feminist show. Like, yeah, that's it, it, it's a guy problem. Like, it is, and like, it's. It, I don't think it, it's not. It's not the most feminist thing to happen. Sure, and I, I'm looking at it from Don's perspective of just kind of going along with it. Right. Um, it would have been nice to kind of have that idea. Like, because of like Don's flaws are more like I put up barriers right. and like, I have mild OCD, you know what I mean? Right. Like that's kind of her flaws. Yeah. But they're just quite, they're not as hard hitting yeah. as hers, hers are also infidelity. A, a joke. Um, in, yeah. In the context of the show. It doesn't make her any less real, but they're, they're the B plot comic characters. Um, that's it. And I, I, what I, what I'd be quite interested to know and Diane Paulus, get in the phone to us. We'd love to chat. Right. Um, is was that ever in the show? Did yeah. she ever have a conversation where she's like, "Well, listen, it's better than nothing." Yeah. You know what I mean? Was yeah. that ever or like or, th- where the choice is firmly given to Dawn, where she's like, "No, I'm aware of what I'm doing. Right. I'm s- still doing it. I want to." You know what I mean? Right. Like which 
Yeah, or give give her give her a moment at you know at the wedding scene or something to be like, yeah, this started as a stalking relationship. That's not great. Um, right. Like, you could do that. Um, I but, think so. I mean, yes, it wouldn't make it as mirthy and fun. And right. Well, and I, w- I wonder if that then is an audience testing thing, right? Because of how deep and dark and sad some of the other parts go. Like, mm. yeah, you kind of just need him to jump up on a table for a second. Like, yeah, we just yeah, we yeah. kind of need this clown of a character so that this isn't a, like a total depression depression fest. Absolutely. Um, one thing I do want to, before we move on. Mm-hmm. Um, is uh to talk about michael rydell um yeah what did, so, what did he say so this oh what didn't he say so this vox article to give it the one thing that i'm definitely in agreement with um they call this article by michael rydell and again i'll put it in the show notes um the world's most patronizing new york post article and i don't think they're wrong that's a high um, bar to set too because <laughs> right right <laughs> um so and this is michael rydell from the new york post just so we're yes putting, uh, attributing so we say it yes absolutely um so the producers and the investors think waitress should be a feel-good show for women um who buy the majority of tickets on broadway they want it to be uplifting the way the beautiful the carol the carol king musical and the color purple are um but paulus sources say is trying to give it a harder political edge can we just say we just literally just talked about the color purple right so i don't know yeah also you don't need to to use the word political to mean what you're right exactly the hard the husband comes off as so brutal the audience recoils sources say this so this was sorry just to give you a bit of context as well this is before waitress opened on broadway um diane's a feminist in vertical comments quote Oh, yeah, you say this really well. Quote, Diane's a feminist and kind of political, says a source. She doesn't want to do a peppy, happy musical, unquote. Um, Paulus, who directed the family-friendly Finding Neverland, wasn't available for comment Thursday. I know the Weisslers well and have great respect for their producing abilities. They have, after all, made Chicago into one of the longest-running and most lucrative shows in Broadway history. They know the audience, and if they think there's too much emphasis on domestic violence and Waitress, Paulus and her band of feminists should heed their advice. Waitress, which has some terrific songs, by the way, has a real shot at being a commercial winner this year. Let's leave domestic violence to Tennessee Williams and David Mamet. Oh, I have so many things to say. Um, right. Right. First of which among, like, God, you'd think he's never seen any of the shows he's talked about before. The point he's trying to make is, like, the producers did such a great job with Chicago. Don't let them put domestic violence in this show. Literally, the inciting incident in Chicago is Roxy shoot Like, it's predicated yeah. on... Violence! Bad, <laughs> bad violence! <laughs> yeah, exactly. She shoots someone on stage in the first number. Shoots yep. him. Like... Yeah. Uh, but literally what he's saying is, you don't want feminism. That doesn't sell tickets. Right. That's literally what he's saying. Yeah. But it's, let's leave domestic violence to Tennessee Williams and David Ma- like, Oh, and when he, for- he means he means not in their plays, but just like they beat their wives. Um I don't know if that's true. I mean, I I wish I could trust him to have that level of irony. Yeah, I don't think that's true. I don't think he does. I think he just means these people are better writers. Yeah, the men. Sorry. Sorry that men are better writers because we're men. 
Exactly. No, let's leave it to people who do their research and speak to people firsthand uh, about domestic violence. I don't think Tennessee Williams spoke to any domestic violence. I know. He probably didn't exist when he was writing. I know. We, it is. we have a, a trend of putting traditional print media on blast more and more in the recent couple <laughs> podcasts. But, you know, they deserve it. Um, like, Jesus Christ. Yep. Why and did so you, he... So th- this article came out before the show happened. Yeah, yeah. So this is just like a, a rumor-funded pre-review think piece that he felt yeah, he needed this to... Yeah, this is... Um, it's got an all-female creative team. It's going to be feminist, but let me just give you some inside info about how it's going to land. Like, for for goodness sake, yeah. like, it's really uh, misguided. Yeah, and, I mean, obviously, he hadn't seen it, so he hadn't seen the sum of its parts. Yeah, but it's all the more, all the more reason not to uh, cast aspersions and make assumptions about this, right? right? And you couldn't, you couldn't reach the authors for comment, quote unquote, or they didn't want to talk to you because you kind of seemed like a dick. Um, Yep. Like, yeah. Yep. Don't, don't like. And that thing as well, I know the Weislers well, is if there's like this... Like this gives you, you some cred, like... Right, exactly. That like, oh yeah, it's actually, it's Michael Rodell and Fran Weisler who are writing it. And Diane Paul is welcome, you're you're allowed to be in the room. Yeah. Come on. Well, and this... It's not it, nice. Another thing I super, super dislike is uh, uh, artist character assassination. Um, mm. Like, don't don't say... This is bad because of the the people are who they are, right? People aren't their art, and we gotta get rid of the idea that they are. Um, exactly, it's a it's a stupid trope that's persisted for too long, and anything yeah. that associates those things together is bullshit. Yeah, especially in a negative light like this. A hundred percent. So, not happy about that one, but very interested. I like the fact that the discussion's out there. Sure, you know what I mean. Um, not from Michael Rydell. That discussion do, can get in the bed. But the, the Vox article. <laughs> I, I will say, in spite of my disagreement with both of these things, perhaps yeah. you know, less less disagreement with the Vox article, but no yeah. thank you. Um but I do like and I think the like we we must remain critical of these things. Um in we must look for these things. Like, as much as I will uh whinge and moan about grasping for straws, finding a tiny little maybe anti-feminist-seeming thing in a Mm -hmm. largely pro-feminist musical, um, Mm -hmm. which I don't think is true, but, like, for argument's sake. um, Still worth it to keep pulling these things apart this way because we live in such an intersectional world that we do have so many blind spots. We do have all these moments. And just because the wide swath of the thing gets a check mark from you doesn't mean we shouldn't keep looking at the individual things like right i like 100%. that these analysis analyses happen i think these things pass tests in ways that uh are disappointing to these journalists who are looking for clickbaity articles yeah. um and so then they shoehorn or rile up people like us by yeah. writing incendiary things and that is a uh, 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 should be detested who who would ever create uh disparaging reactions to musicals that exist about how much they don't like them and uh uh, comment on uh uh movie musicals before they come out what a terrible thing anyway i'm gonna go sit in my hypocrisy chair now 
exactly i'll link to that video of that, <laughs> of that edit that somebody made of you talking about cats very good Let's take a zoom out. Yeah. Let's. I like doing this as a, a finisher. Sure. Um, let's look at adapting. Yeah. From the film. I mean, it, it, it links in the sense that um, one of the Vox's biggest comments was, if you're adapting the film, you should make it more authentic to the film. Sure. Um, what I would argue is that it's very authentic. It's pretty to the close. Film. Yeah. You know I mean, it's really, yeah. really close. Um, and uh, a lot of the times, um, Sarah Bareilles. Uh, and Dan Paulus and interviews and things talk about the fact that it, you don't have to watch the movie for long before you realize this will make a good musical. Yeah, yeah, right. They say that a lot. Yeah, um, and I think that that in its own right is quite an interesting point because obviously we're, we're living we're living in the age of adaptation. Yeah, well, and musical theater is generally an an adapted art of any kind. Yes, yeah. Yes, of any kind, sorry, yes. But particularly with movies yeah. and movie franchises. Yeah. I do. Um, there are these golden gems. I think Waitress is one of them. I think this is one I thought and has come to fruition. Um, we were we were studying, I was doing a, a push-in English lesson about the Scottish mm-hmm. play. Um, right. About set design maybe three years ago. Um, and talking about, like, yeah, people set Macbeth in all sorts of different places. Um, mm. Here and here, and in doing that research, I discovered a very unknown uh, movie called Scotland, PA, uh, starring right. Christopher Walken and is set in oh. a, 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 a burger joint named Macbeth's. And they, like, I don't remember the exact plot, but it's a, yeah, it's yeah, a, yeah. It's a take on Macbeth around two competing burger joints. Um, it's a musical now. They're, it is. They're yes. trying it out. Uh-huh. Um, and I remember looking at it and being like, God, this just feels... Why? Do, like, I feel like I should know about this. This should be yeah. a, a thing. Um, you know, there's a bunch of these, like, where it almost feels like, though the film needed to exist for the adaptation to happen, 
this is a story that is a musical better than it's a film. Yeah, like it was always heading this way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, it's lesser known, but uh, Spitfire Grill feels that way, too. Uh, incidentally, yeah. also about a, a small town diner. Um, but, like, I've seen the movie, um, and, like, it's a better musical. Um, also, mm. spoiler alert, but in the movie, the, like, main character, like, drowns in a river at the very end of it. Um, <laughs> and in the musical, uh, she wins the rights to the chop uh, <laughs> and doesn't die. Um, so, you know, changed a couple things. Just a couple. Um, but I do think, like, there is that, like, spidey sense you have for this particular size of thing where it's not the producers, right? Where mm-hmm. I think the producers makes a great musical, but the producers was big on its own right to begin with. No one, yeah. like, plucked the producers out of obscurity and was like, exactly. this will exactly. be a musical. It's like, no, this is popular. And it's because yeah. for the same reasons the movie is popular, the musical is popular. Yeah, it, I was. I was trying. I'm trying to think of like others, right? But it's actually quite. Oh, that's difficult. the that's the million dollar question, right? If you find one, you 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 keep it to yourself and sell it, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, completely, and because I was thinking like, oh well, once like, yeah, in many ways, it was not one, a massive film, right? Um, um, but then once is like intrinsically musical, right? It's like built into it. Um, yeah, but like, uh, uh, you know, um. Uh, Moriesta does this uh, with mm-hmm. nine, um, or like hmm. um, uh, the band's visit. Um, like it happens yeah. a lot, I think, with like more foreign language seeming films um, mm-hmm. because they're a little outside of that Western audience. Um, Women you know. on the verge. Of well, yeah, all the all the aspects. All the aspects. Yeah, right. All all the aspects. Full Monty, Dirty Rotten. Uh, yeah. Apart well, from see, Tootsie. Full Monty's really big over here. Sure, that's fair. Um, and also, I would never say it uh, works, but we'll talk about Filmante yeah, when we yeah, talk about Filmante. Um, um, but the, like, this is a you know a like medium success. There's a certain kind of movie, yes, that yes. becomes a musical, like Absolutely. and it is effective. Like, we're not going to see any of the big blockbusters, um, mm. not in a way that we'll be okay with. Um, yeah, but live action blockbusters, Frozen accepted, um, right? But that's I think that's the thing is like it's it, waitress is really refreshing in that respect because it's not like oh good of course there's a waitress musical right. no one's gonna say that right um, and I really like that yeah and and that... no one would ever be like why hasn't anyone made a like no no like normal person <laughs> us excluded would be yeah. like why isn't there a waitress musical yet um, right it's because it was it's not that popular. Um, exactly and it just it means that as a as a writer as someone who's adapting this you can properly get into it because you're not having to like please the audience right you know i mean you're not gonna have to oh this is the fan favorite moment we need that right you know know i mean glenn coco glenn coco glenn coco like (sighs) exactly yeah exactly right right enough said (laughs) um yeah i just i really really like it um but it got me thinking a little bit about um how you go about adapting and how Mm -hmm. again i think um sarah borellis and the whole team yeah um have done a really good job yeah with waitress yeah um particularly with regards song spotting Mm -hmm. uh because it's not the most obvious moments right that they've picked out and actually sarah borellis a lot of the time isn't just focusing on the events. Mm-hmm. She's really 
gotten into the characters, the characters yeah. and is telling their story yeah. as opposed to this happens yeah. and so we'll have this song right um and i really love that that's that's some smart it's good yeah. writing it's not like um like uh groundhog day um where they've taken a lot of like titular moments and i think done well but it, it's yeah, uh-huh. it's not and they're different kinds of movies groundhog day is about the events right um like it's a little more external certainly you're in his brain but you're watching the world around him right you're yeah. not you're not so much watching him internally i guess a little bit but not as much as waitress where a lot of it is we want to see your internal monologue externalized yeah yeah i'll give you that i was just I, what i would say is like you could i think with the waitress adaptation you could fall very easily into the trap i think amelie kind of did sure of this story is really good and really interesting so let's tell the story in musical form right just as opposed to slap a can of musical theater paint on it and exactly um as opposed to like let's look at these characters what are they trying to say Mm -hmm. how could we tell their story but in a different light and i think that's really what they've done successfully um there's this great uh interview between um it's laura haywood who's Mm. broadway girl nyc yeah 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 um, who I can't believe I don't think we've ever mentioned her in the podcast before. I owe a lot to that woman. <laughs> My goodness. Because she keeps buying you dinner or something and like Yeah, exactly. I owe her like I think it's like seven hundred dollars at this point. <laughs> no, I no, she she was a, a kind of a big part of me getting like nerding out. Sure. You know, she was one of the first people I followed on Twitter, I think. Wow. It's crazy. Yeah. Um but yeah, so she is doing it's one of the build series interviews. Mm, okay. Um, with Sarah and Jesse, mm-hmm. um, and it's nice because she's a—I mean, she's like us. She's our kin. She's a right. music theater fan girl. Yeah, like, exactly. To the extreme. Um, so she's obviously like nerding out, but it's really nice. She she talks a little bit about the adaptations and how um, they go about it. And one of the things she said, I was like, "Oh, it's really—I've never thought about this before." But um, she says that a song is like an extreme close-up in a film. A song in a musical is like an extreme close-up yeah. in a film. Um, because uh, she was comparing it to, um, she says, one of her favorite lines uh, that is taken straight from the film yeah. um, and brought into a song is, I could find the whole meaning of life in those sad eyes. Mm. Um, that, uh, oh, I can't remember his name, the OBGYN says yeah. to Jenna. Um, and apparently in the film, uh there's lots of like really like big close-ups of yeah. Jenna's eyes yeah. and they're, they're quite, quite a key feature. Yeah, yeah, and obviously yeah. you can't do that right. in the musical and they're not going to keep like, yeah. God, Jenna, look at your eyes. But they they're do like today. The, those moments where she like goes into her brain and the whole world drops out around her. Mm. It is an extreme close-up. It, exactly. That's a... It's showing you that part of the, the, like you said, the internal monologue yeah. that you see through looks and small facial movements that we can't get on a stage. Yeah. So, so here it helps us yeah. bring it to the fore. And I was like, oh, actually, from a song spotting perspective, that's a really interesting thing because uh, I've like had a play with adapting things before. Sure. Um, I'm determined to adapt to Wong Fu. I know it's apparently a production, <laughs> sure, whatever. I will do it. Yeah, because... you'll be working on it already. Yeah. I've already, I mean, it's, we're so there. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, but I was like, I would never have thought about that, like looking at yeah. the cinematography well, it's such, and being like, what story is that telling and it's such that we a, could also tell? It, it goes against 
the conventional wisdom so much where like when you can't talk anymore you sing and then when you, you can't sing anymore you start to dance right yes yes and going in for an extreme close-up is the exact opposite right exactly and like the show does both never ever getting rid of me is like and he starts singing right. and jumps on a table because of course but i had never like it changes how you look at those songs like i wonder even even with that sort of idea in mind like we're i'm working again on into the woods right now at my school um mm -hmm. and like i wonder that that sort of insight would absolutely change how i would stage moments in the woods um right right it becomes an entirely different song um, yeah. in a cool and interesting way like i don't think it loses its meaning but you do different things if you think of it as a close-up as opposed to a musical number Absolutely. And I think um, Into the Woods is a really good example because there's a lot of introspective numbers. Right. Because uh, something like I Know Things Now or Steps of the Palace, right. like, you could, you can really, you could play about well, that and I don't know what you can say. Well, I wonder Refute if me. like, because um, I don't particularly enjoy the movie for a ton of reasons. Um, I don't particularly. The Into the Woods movie. Yes. Um, right, yeah. And because the songs are written how they are already and you have to use mm -hmm. them, but you're in the movie, so you have a moment to do a close-up of Cinderella right there, right? Right. Um, <laughs> and, like, if it's the non-musical movie where we're just telling the story of Into the Woods, that's exactly yeah. what it would be. It's like a, a zoom-in close-up and you just see, like, Cinderella do a, like, <sighs> like, a lot of that exasperatedness. Yeah. But instead, because it started as a piece of musical theater and Sondheim did it, um, it, they are these bigger moments. You know, giants in the sky. Like, that's not a close-up. Yep. But it could be in that moment if the yeah. song was different, if that was where it started from, which is cool. It, uh, yeah, I really love it. Well done, Laura Haywood. Like, yeah. that is a, a cool idea. Yeah. It's, it, but, and I, I want to play with that now. I want to, yeah. like, when I play my adapting game yeah. that I like to play, or look even, at that and be like, oh, that's a, that's a theme that they pull out in the cinematography. Is there something, uh, what story are they trying to tell there? Yeah. How could I tell that story through song? Well, and even just the yeah. question of, like, even with some already existing stuff, does mm. this number need to keep getting bigger as it goes through the thing? Or can mm. we decrescendo through it? And mm. and zoom in with it and make it more intimate as it goes yeah, on. Um, exactly, that's cool. Because actually, yeah. Well, because um, I think with a song like "She Used to Be Mine," yeah, can't go through this podcast without mentioning that. Um, it, one of the things that makes it so successful mm -hmm. as a musical theater number is how simple it is. Yeah. Oh God! It doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't need to. It doesn't like musically, physically, like. Yep. It's not riffed out. It's not. No. Do you know what I mean, it's just, it's really honest. Yeah. And that kind of thing, you can just see, I mean, I've not, I've not seen the film, so I don't know if this is a scene, but I can picture there being a scene yeah. uh, with Jenna sitting on the sofa, like head in hands. Yeah. Looking at like, her life beyond, as it is now. Beyond the verge of tears, just like. Yeah. To the point yeah. of like such deep introspective contemplation. Um, Absolutely. And out, out would pop. Yeah. She used to be mine, but in a film, you just need a really quiet yeah. scene of this, you know, this really sad moment. Yeah. And then, you know, like, you wouldn't necessarily think, ah, there's there's a number. Right. Because yeah. there's no line. There's no, no doubt. You know yeah. what I mean? But it is, like, like it's literally maybe the, it, on the 
if we're holding next to each other all of the 11 o'clock numbers in musical theater, of which She's right. Me Mine is absolutely the 11 o'clock number yeah, of the show, yeah, yeah. it is, you know, it's it's not uh, uh, Millie running around the stage. Gimme, gimme. Gimme, gimme, right? Yeah. 16 key change. That thing called lot like up and up yeah. and up and up and up, right? It's no Rose's turn, like, bigger for me, for me, for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, it's just so... Like one line getting a little smaller as we go. Yeah. It's I a, like it. It's a whisper on the wind. Waitress. That was Waitress. And not once did we talk about Al Roker. I don't understand. Al Roker played the old guy as a repl- Do you know who Al Roker is? He's a weatherman on Good Morning America. He's oh. quite a character. Um, he played the old guy for a little while. And during the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade this year, pushed a guy dressed up like Butter and said, Get out of here, Butter! And then... Lim- <laughs> And then, and then, Lin-Manuel Miranda tweeted a video of that saying, Al Roker did a push on a butter. Push on a butter. Which is not a thing. <laughs> just, but then it was a video of Oh, that, just as a phrasing. As a phrasing of, like, Al, Al Roker's hitting people on TV. That's great. <laughs> yeah, when you don't know who Al Roker is... None of that's funny. <laughs> it's really funny and entertaining. Um, yes. Uh, but hey, guess what Al Roker wasn't in? The next show we're going to talk about? <laughs> You're so right. <laughs> hey, you ready for a quiz question to uh, guess what it is? I got my seatbelt on. Hit me. Oh, well. This musical accidentally shut down a so-called musical theatre lab because it premiered first. The lab was working on The Secret Garden, My Favourite Year, and this show. Hal Prince is of the opinion that the lab would still be functioning today had The Secret Garden premiered first instead of her next musical. What show? That's a good question. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us at the show Twitter and Instagram. They're both Jim and Tomic, J-I-M-A-N-D-T-O-M-I-C. Or you can join the Reddit discussion. All these links are in the show notes in your podcatcher right now or at JimandTomic.com. 
And while you're there, if you would like, you can check out our Patreon. If you would like to financially support the show. We love all you patrons out there. You guys are fantastic. But also, um, if you would just like to leave us a little review on Apple Podcasts, they are equally as helpful and wonderful. And as always, it helps when you tell your friends about this show. Most people hear about this show from other people who've listened to it. You can be that person today. I give you permission. Exactly. I, you, yes. can't, you can't see it, but I pointed at the microphone. Shout out from the rooftops, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Shout out for the rooftops, Jim and Tommy. Maybe not that. Then the, the police might have come looking for us. That's true. We take no responsibility for any arrests. Um, but hey, that's all for this time around the block. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. wondered how your favorite performer actually feels well here's your chance welcome to the quiet part out loud with me bobby stegger broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of broadway creatives part interview part therapy this is not your typical podcast we'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists what they still struggle with what lessons they've learned what they haven't figured out yet there's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud are you listening Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. I had a Malbec earlier, just saying. <laughs>